1: If you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's american com slash Mike.
2: Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can also hear us every day, Monday through Friday, on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. So download the Dash Radio app for free on your phone. Search for Nothing But Net. And you'll find us there Every day, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific. Also, check out FiveReasonSports.com. You have to check out the preview that our Chris Joseph from Ballscast did on this series. We just put it up there. We've got other stories too uh, from Jamie Levy, from Royal Shepherd, from Brady Hawk, and others on the NBA Finals. But this thing from Chris Joseph is a monstrosity, and it is—it's beautiful. It's just if you're a Heat fan, you have to check it out. Just save about 30 minutes to read through all of it. Also check out our YouTube channel as we speak. uh, There's a Marlin stream going on in game one. We've got streams going on there all day long, including some videos which we're gonna play towards the end of this episode. Before we get to our sponsor, I wanna tell you a little bit about what this episode is gonna be about. The first part of this is gonna be a stream that I did, uh, again, this is Ethan Skolnick, along with Greg Sylvander and Alex Toledo. We did this on Tuesday night. Uh, the three of us got together and did this on our YouTube channel. So that's going to be on here. Then I spoke to our Alphonse Sidney coming back from San Francisco. Uh, he and I did something on Wednesday morning where Alf gives his eye test and a pick. And then we've got some, uh, audio with the zoom calls that are already on our YouTube channel. But if you haven't heard them from Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo and LeBron James. So this is a long episode, but we figure this will take you up into the game we also want to tell you about a great sponsor of this episode and many others in the network, and that's the Gonzalez and Tybor Law Firm. You can find them at bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. A recent report showed that over 45% of people use their stimulus checks to repay debt. This is money that could have and should have gone to cover living expenses. Even before the pandemic, household debt in this country, especially credit card debt, was going up and it was hurting families and small businesses. And if you watched that debate last night, nobody's coming to help you. So <laughs> it might be a good idea to reach out to Gonzales and Tybor. You know, nobody likes to consider bankruptcy as an option for dealing with your debt, but bankruptcy is one of the few laws that exists to actually help consumers. So before you make another debt payment, you can't afford or you do something drastic, like empty out your 401k or borrow money from friends and family. Why don't you talk to a professional about your options? Contact Gonzales and Tybor bankruptcy is good The phone number is 954-378-8184 954-378. 8184 consultations always free and can be done by telephone or video conference. So if you have any issues with debt, don't hesitate. Nine, five, four, three, seven, eight, eight, one, eight, four. Bankruptcy is good for you.com. And now stream. I test zoom calls, big episode leading up to the
1: NBA finals.
3: One, two, on the floor.
1: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sidney, Alex Toledo, and Greg Sylvander. part of the Five Reasons Sports Network.
2: All right, welcome into the latest episode of Floors Yours, pre-NBA finals edition. We didn't think we'd be doing one of these this year. Um, although if you think the Heat are going to win this series, go to mybookie.ag and use the promo code five on the floor. Five point underdogs in game one. Ethan Skolnick here. I've got Alex Toledo. I've got Greg Sylvander. Thanks for following all this stuff on the five on the floor podcast feed. Two new episodes up today. One with George Sedano on the narratives. Of this NBA finals, starting with something we're going to talk about a lot here, which is LeBron, full Riley. And then I don't know what Alice is doing. And then uh, the, the, the other one that's up right now is Nakias Duncan. Uh, Alex and I went through the top 10 players in this series. Um, whether it was, uh, obviously the first two are obvious, but we kind of went beyond that. So check out those two, a new episode with Tom Haberstroh up tonight. That'll be up overnight. I, I talked to Tom for about 50 minutes today, not just about the numbers of this series, but we got into a lot of stuff from the big three era, which of course, Tom covered for ESPN. He's now at NBC There's a lot of stuff you have not heard. So make sure you check out that episode. All right, let's get to it. And to the press conferences today, I was on those zoom calls, um, I am up in Orlando. I explained this on the last uh, stream I just did with Alejandro. I'm up in Orlando, but I'm not in the bubble per se. Uh, to be in the bubble, you have to basically live there. Um, I'm staying at a hotel off premises, although I did test today in a hotel where I ran into Andy Ellisberg and some other Heat executives So, and some families. So a lot of the Heat people are staying there, and they'll be upstairs with me tomorrow because they can't be downstairs either to communicate with the players but the big deal today was the, the pre, you know, the, the, the pre-final Zooms. Typically, these are press conferences at a podium. Um, you know, we all remember kind of the, the Heat at American Airlines Arena with everybody at the podiums, and, and you know, you kind of go around, you talk to all the players. The way they did it today was each team had four people on the primary Zoom feeds and then four on the auxiliary feeds. So the ones on the primary feeds for the Heat were Eric Spolstra, LeBron, uh, excuse me, LeBron James, uh, Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic, and then I believe it was Duncan Robinson, Crowder, Igudala, and Hero were on the other one. And the, the Lakers also did a four-and-four four type setup. The most interesting ones to me uh, were the ones we expected to be interesting, which were LeBron James and Jimmy Butler, although Eric Spolster was interesting today as well. I want to start with LeBron um, because I think Greg had a visceral reaction to a lot of this stuff, which I'm not surprised as I was hearing it let me just read a couple of quotes. Now, I put these on Twitter. They were um, they had to be kind of shortened because I was trying to get them out, but I'll they give you the texture of it. He said, LeBron on Eric Spolstra. The players and coaches know how great Spo is, and there's this narrative that Spo is not great. He prepares his team every single night. They're going to play hard. They're going to res- play together. It's been you guys that have never given him his respect. And then the next one, he kind of went on sort of scoffing at the notion that he was asked if any, you know, that there's a perception that anyone could have won with himself, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. And he said, Spo likes that. That's what fuels Spo is this disrespect. You guys give him the basketball world. I'm not going to sit up here and act like, I don't know what Spo is all about. He's damn good. Almost great. Even. Um, I didn't add that last part, but I, I remember it off the top of my head. I was a little bit surprised by this. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, you know, when you go back, it is a little bit of a revisionist history, Greg, right?
4: Yes. I mean, w- when you know the ins and outs of what went on in 2011 and kind of how things ended in 2014, there is some, um, there's some irony in it all. But it was more that, like, he almost had to, like, trip and fall and mistake his way into saying that Spo was great. Um, he like said he's good. He's very he's damn good. he He may even be better than good. He may be great. Something like that. I'm not I'm paraphrasing. But I kind of felt like for somebody who, and this is the cool thing about heat fans is that like we have we're building a very good historical catalog of memories. We don't we don't have easy forgetters. We know kind of how what transpired. Um, in that moment, like, just give the man his due. Like he's in the finals again. Um, I know that there's another flat side of this coin where like him praising Spolstra is good from a national perspective that uh, ultimately when you read the comments in print, you don't feel the context and the emotion around it. All that is good stuff. But ultimately I kind of felt like it was not as genuine and sincere. And when you listen to Jimmy on the podium, and I know we're yeah. gonna get to that in a little bit, yeah. you can see the stark contrast and that just struck me today.
2: Yeah, it did. And, and Alex, uh, here's the other thing. Uh, you know, This all started with a lot of c- questions about the heat, right? Because I, I feel like the way that the national narrative has been set up here is that this is basically Heat LeBron against Lakers LeBron. It's not, it's not Lakers LeBron against the current Heat. It, that, that's the narrative that's been I said, the, the, the second and third narratives are LeBron against AD, as who's the real star of the Lakers, and the third narrative is LeBron against Ma- Michael Jordan in history. That's it. Those are the three narratives. The, the Heat do not exist. The current Heat do not exist. It's those three narratives. But he was able But, but right not yet. but I, I, you know, and and look, we talked a lot about the 2011 Mavericks and that series, uh, Tom Haberstroh and I did on our pod and I I invite you guys to listen to that because, you know, one of the reasons that he thinks going up tomorrow uh, morning, it's going up tomorrow morning and one of the reasons he thinks that the Heat are going to win this series in seven is because there are a lot of parallels uh, to that particular series. But, Alex, this first question. A lot of zone,
5: huh? A lot of zone between uh, those two teams. A, a
2: lot of zone. LeBron on the Heat today. He was asked about the, the thing. He came prepared with an answer on this one. He said, what, what sticks out to you about the current Heat? He said, two things, how hard they play. And he went on about that. He said, and it also would be the way they move without the ball. They share the ball. Everyone is live out there on the floor. I want, we'll cycle back to this Holster-Riley stuff in a second. But what struck me there is. That's the way you would describe the 2011 Mavericks, and it's the way you would describe the 2014 Spurs.
5: Yep, it's true. I mean, there's <laughs> right? just so many parallels, man. There's a lot of parallels between this series, I think, in theory, and that 2011 Finals, man, and now we're on the other side of it. Like, honestly, the fact that we're at the end of the decade, 10 years later, and it's just like it really is kind of full circle that we're here now, right, and we're rooting against LeBron and Anthony Davis, you know, the two – main superstars and i think there's just they're, they're, there's a lot of parallels man like you look at that lakers team they have holes that you can poke at right and they have a lot of strength too like they play so big and they're, they're gonna out rebound the hell out of you they're gonna kill the heat on putbacks and they're gonna have to try to minimize that but they're also a team that turns you over the heat had a problem with that throughout throughout the regular season and have gotten that's something that we haven't even really talked about that much on here but they got a lot better in the playoffs and that was part mm. of the execution stuff you know you file that under that but uh, they got a lot better at minimizing the turnovers, uh, among other things that they got better at specifically on defense. And I think the Lakers are a, a team that can kind of bring some of those weaknesses back out if you're, if you're not careful enough. And I do think the Heat are going to play it like, you know, they, they know that the margin for error is going to be so slim. We saw that quote from, I believe it was Jimmy Butler who said, you know, we know who we're playing. We know that we had to play them perfect and we, we're capable of doing it. So I know that they realized you know, they're going to have to stick to that game plan and really not let up at all, or else it, it's going to be deaf by a thousand putbacks and rebounds. You really have to win the style battle versus the Lakers because other than LeBron and Anthony Davis, the team is it's yeah, kind of weak, they're man.
4: top-heavy. Like, they're top heavy. It, this is like basketball karmic action for Heat, for heat fans because we've built the top heavy superstar teams and, and exactly. gone to the finals runs with those kind of groups and kind of uh, dismissed the connected mm. groups, the, mm. the, mm-hmm. the, you know, versatile. And now we're on the other side of it. So um, I the, the, this is going to sound weird and prisoner of the moment of me. There's a part of this, I have to admit, that founds a, that feels a little bit more pure, a little bit more sincere mm. and genuine. Yeah, um, I don't know. We didn't shortcut the shortcut to well, get here. So that, that kind you of know stuff, what? I didn't consider it before, um, but today I am.
5: We didn't have to go through a bunch of years of, you know, being the one seed and missing out and kind of getting eliminated earlier, like the Dallas Mavericks did before they eventually won in 2011. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. just this one year, you know, you get Jimmy, boom. They're the five seed and they're in the finals. <laughs> like this is so much better. This is the right? purest of pure. Like this is culture as pure as it gets culture mainlined. But but you're right. And though, they don't was... have a third star, man. No, but that's the difference. They don't have a Bosch, but
2: th- definitely not Kuzma. Th- 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 this is why we've done so much stuff on two different things here. Going into the finals, we've focused on narrative and we focused on strategy because in a sense, those two things have come together because the narrative stuff about LeBron and what happened in 2011 and always being on the superstar side and playing against the connected team fits with the strategy of this particular series. And you're right. It has come full circle. I want to read some more LeBron quotes here and then we'll, we'll focus on them. And then I do want to spend the last 10 minutes here on Jimmy Uh, LeBron thinking back. I mean, they pushed him on Miami today like this, and he knew it was coming. He, and I will tell you, I said this on the episode I just did with Alejandro, You know, the one thing LeBron would talk to me about anything when I was up there that year in Cleveland, he did not want to talk about Miami. I I had him alone for a one-on-one 20 questions on on the eve of his 30th birthday, and I was told you can ask him anything he doesn't want to talk about Riley in Miami. And, you know, I mean, did we talk about it on the side? Yes, but he did not want to go public with any of that stuff. The one thing I do remember... Did you
5: see how he responded well, today I, I'm, when asked about Pat Riley? I'm getting to it. Come
2: on. I'm getting to it. But the the but the other thing I said was, uh, I, I always remember that because when I walked away from that particular interview, he looked at me and goes, how's Dwayne? And I said, he's fine. He says, I miss him. And it was just like... and I, That's when I knew Kyrie was not Dwayne. But let me get to some of the LeBron comments. Yes, we will get to Riley, Alex, because that's where this is circling. <laughs> LeBron thinking back to four years in Miami. Um, He did not... Here's, here's my take from these quotes, and then we'll get to the quotes. He respects, quote-unquote, heat culture, but it was clear from his comments today that he resents the idea that he didn't fit in heat culture. And I'm going to read you some of these quotes. LeBron, thinking back to four years in Miami, um, as far as leadership, that grows no matter where you are if you strive to be a leader every day. But then he circled back and he said, being around Riles and Spo and D. Wade and UD... Just to name a few, allowed me to grow. Okay, that's the other one. LeBron says of the Heat, "I fit that culture as well because of how hard I worked. It was a perfect match for those four years." Then he also said about Riley. He was asked the question from someone who's there. I, I might have been McMenamin. I think it was. I think Dave. so. I think, I think so. it was Dave. And so Dave was on the side, and he has a relationship with Dave. It goes dates back to, to Cleveland. And Dave's obviously back out in L.A. now. And he kind of didn't like the question, and then he called it a broad question. And it almost felt to me knowing LeBron and his relationship with McMenamin, um, because I was told that after me, after I left, McMenamin became his favorite white reporter. Um, (laughs) Knowing their relationship, guys, I almost feel like he didn't expect Dave to ask this particular question. Exactly, one hundred percent. 10%. like it's like he's probably had this conversation with McMenamin. Oh, you know, a he texted
4: him right afterwards. Right like, why, afterwards? why the hell did you do that? Why
2: the F were you doing that to me? Because that is the kind of thing. It, it's like it's like when Dwayne said to me in the, um, and I know I'm digressing, now, but when Dwayne said to me in the Indiana series when he was pissed at Spolster about something, one of the Indiana series, it might have been, the, I think it was the, the series that he had the blow up on the sideline. And I asked – him. it wasn't that game though. It was a different game. And I asked him a question and he looked at me. He, he answered the question and then after everybody's gone, he looks at me and he goes, why the F are you asking me a question like that about Spo? You know I don't <laughs> want to answer that. So th- this felt to me like reporter he has a relationship with and he's like, why are you – I expect these people to ask me that but not you, Dave. But anyway, long pause. Then he called it a broad question. Yes. Right? And then he said – probably one of the greatest minds this game has ever had. And then on and on, and on this league is not the same without Riles. He's a great guy, great motivator, someone who just knows what it takes to win. Um, This guy. I, well, well, here, here's my question for you, Greg. And I'll, I'll let you both answer it. What is, what do you want him to say? What, what, what do you want him to say? Do you want him to just, cause he did gush over these guys. It's just that, like, it took him a second to get to it, I guess. And he yeah, had to that's... tell you that he was a fit for heat culture
4: well no no shit he's a fit for heat culture he's the best player on planet earth probably the greatest <laughs> player ever like we're like th- there's this misconception of what heat culture is and like because of people like me who aggrandize it on twitter we think that like it's above talent and 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 being the greatest of all time absolutely not like it's more about the fact that he feels the need to separate himself out from it like, let's not ignore the fact that you took the blueprint that was in Miami to Cleveland mm. and you tried to replicate it word for word. And then since then, you've tried to take elements of it and replicate it. And mind you, you couldn't do that shit in Cleveland initially. You mm. weren't winning championships initially. So you did have to come and learn some things in Miami. So just a, an ounce of humility would go a long way to just be like, okay. I did go there. I learned how to win and it's helped me for the rest of my career. It doesn't mean we're making, we didn't make LeBron James. That's not what we're trying to say, but like, don't act like you are above the fray because you weren't winning in Cleveland newsflash. You weren't
5: right. Like, I mean, I almost don't want to follow up here at all. Just move on to it. Cause I'm really, there's nothing I can say to combat what Leif just said. I, I follow behind the culture. I know the series is going to be personal for both sides in a way, even if they don't want to admit it, at least, you know, for, when we're talking about LeBron, Riley, Spo, and anybody else kind of involved in that whole ordeal. But, man, it's funny. Like, I really got hyped up when, when Leif texted us earlier today. It was, like, livid at these responses because I did not have the same reaction. So I was kind of excited to hear what they said tonight. And now I'm going to feel bad saying that I did not get that same reaction at all. I was actually pleasantly surprised when I read the quotes before mm-hmm. seeing the video of, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I only
4: saw the video. I never read anything.
5: Exactly. And that's what I was going to get to that. When I first read the quotes, (laughs) I saw, you know, he's giving he's giving props to Riley and Spo, and, and you know, that quote that you said earlier about UD and kind of the culture setters having them. I'm like, wow, he's he's really doing the heat propaganda stuff. I watched the video and it's almost like he got backed into saying those things. So I definitely (laughs) see what you mean. He definitely did not want to give fire to the whole narrative about, you know, maybe LeBron not liking the heat or not liking Spo or. Maybe not respecting them or whatever. He wanted to kind of put that away. I think that was clear. He definitely was offended by Dave McMenamin when he asked the question. I mean, yeah. the whole thing where he's like, "Well, it's kind of a broad question, Dave." That, <laughs> that killed right. me. I thought right. that was amazing. But uh, LeBron is still LeBron, man. He is still yeah. as as uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? As uh, he controls the narrative, man. That's that's what he does, and he's a master. Yeah, yeah. I think he did a pretty good job towing the line. I'm not even going to lie.
2: Well, I, I do think that there will be two totally different reactions. There's the video reaction and there's the written reaction. I And I, I got that too. But also there's the insider reaction where you kind of know the relationship he has with the particular reporters. And he was like, what, why aren't you asking me about pick and roll? I, I thought that's what he was going to say to McManaman because he, he, his his assumption is Dave should know better than to go this direction. And he would have – and obviously when I was covering him and, and some of the others, Mike Wallace, Winhorse, he would have done the same thing to us because it, he was expecting that from – the national guys. There's one other quote from LeBron, and then I want to skip it over to Jimmy. Um, LeBron says, What will happen in Miami will never leave him. I went to Miami when I was 25 years old. I was 25. I spent 25 to 29. I was still growing. I was still a kid, still trying to figure out who I was as a person, as a man. I grew when they allowed me to grow. I fit perfectly. Again, I think that's reasonable yeah. for him to say something like that. He was he was a much different person when he left than when he came. Um, and he's he's been different since. and I mean even social justice, everything else that's developed within him, I just think it's it's uneasy for him. I, we can talk about how he may have won want, want to punish Riley in the finals, but I don't know that he wanted these narratives. Uh, Boston's a different situation. It was a young team. You know, it, it's it's just different. I mean, he he's faced Boston in the playoffs before and handled them with Brad Stevens. He's never really wanted to deal with the Miami thing. He no, just, he, he, he just hasn't. Right. And so, and again, the contrast with Jimmy, you know, he wasn't really asked about Jimmy or Bam or anybody today. I was trying to get in a question on Bam actually with him. He wasn't asked. But let's let's switch gears here to Jimmy because, like you mentioned, that was the contrast that stuck out to me today and, and why Jimmy has endeared himself to Heat fans so much. Because he says everything they always wanted LeBron to say, it's it's like you know, and 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 the other thing is it doesn't sound forced with Jimmy because he's so raw about everything that you just believe him. Like he's not a calculated speaker. He's,
5: he's but, constantly offering that up himself too. Like he's yeah. not. He's absolutely not forced into, backed into a you know a, a heat propaganda response like that. Like he fully believes in this stuff, man, and the the whole <laughs> team does. It's clear. Like it's not propaganda whatsoever. That's just what they believe. Like every time they speak they're talking about it for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like you think they get what they're given talking points by BPR. No, like they're no, living no, and don't. breathing the shit. He,
2: he, he PR. So I'm trying to adjust. So they hear he PR doesn't even, doesn't even give him a hard time about anything anymore because it's no. just they, they know what they're going to get. Um, Here was him on Pat Riley.
5: Addition by subtraction. You might say, well, that was uh, <laughs> oh, the but, son. But, 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 uh,
2: uh, Butler on, 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 on Pat Riley. He was asked kind of if he was what he was told. Pat Riley was. He says, every aspect of it, everything that I've heard from D. Wade and just around the league is everything I wanted to be a part of. He's the individual that everyone outside and inside of basketball said that he was. He's about winning and winning now. And then he added, totally unprompted, we are all very thankful for the godfather. I mean, could you – <laughs> like, Pat Like Pat, uh-huh. would have retired at that moment if LeBron ever said that. That's it. I've got LeBron yeah. to call me the go- – I mean, would he ever – could you ever imagine LeBron calling Pat the godfather?
4: No. I, that's funny because even Dwayne didn't necessarily lean in that hard. You know what I mean? Like there's only a few guys, Zoe, and uh, now Jimmy, UD to some extent. Um, so you're right about that. And I, I guess this is like um, – and I hate that it circles back to LeBron, but it, it's a thing where – I just to clarify, like I root for LeBron now in – in most circumstances but when you see jimmy talk the way that he talks and you talk about being endeared to the fan base so quickly it's because of what he's embraced there's there's even when he is brash and he's being um unapologetically like f y'all we're gonna do this that they're 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 i can't even articulate it right there's a certain degree of humility in it mm-hmm. and um it's like it's very much a, a situation where he recognizes that it had to be a perfect marriage for it to work, to get to the finals, to do this is not a one man show. It's not, it's a team thing. And I think just having that recognition kind of uh, deeply seated in everything he says, it shows and it, and he conveys it so well. So, and then when you see everyone else, you know, from Goran to bam to everyone else kind of back that up as well, you know, it's genuine. And, um and that's, what's been different about this run. It's not, ESPN index. It's not any of that. It is like kind of Jimmy following um, kind of what the organization has put in place, but taking it to another level. Cause he has the talent, the skill and the charisma. So it's like, it's a beautiful marriage.
2: <laughs> let, let, let me, was gonna give you a couple more quotes here because this was another one. Jimmy didn't have to bring up the heat in this regard. And he did. He was asked because everything in the, in the NBA, particularly with ESPN LA revolves around the Lakers. He was asked whether he seriously considered the Lakers in free agency this offseason. And Jimmy, while saying he didn't want to disrespect the Lakers, said, I knew about the type of structure I wanted and needed. It was here. Okay? Like, again, Jimmy thumbed his nose. I mean, so did Kawhi, actually. But Jimmy thumbed his nose at the Lakers this offseason also.
5: Can you blame him?
2: No, I I don't based on the structure of it. But it's just...
5: The Magic Johnson, it feels like 10 years ago, but that know, was true. almost yeah. right before that free agency.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is that is true. Uh, by the Shit, way, I wrote an um,
5: article after that happened, four or five reasons sports, talking about, well, what if yeah. Braun wants to come back? <laughs> now yeah. that we're here.
2: Yeah, no, that's true. I, and Magic now is uh, tweeting his ananities on Twitter. That's that's basically what he left, too. By the way, um, my, my phone may go because my mentions are blowing up because Gor- one of the things Goran Dragic said today was I asked him if he felt like a bridge between Bosch and wade and this team and he gave great praise to them and chris Bosch just decided to retweet it so i guess he's he agrees which was i guess one step closer to us getting Bosch back on the pod
5: uh, about but, to say, yeah we need to get him on
2: no i i'm working on it i'm working on his uh on three also uh but he also there are a couple other things in here from jimmy other than him saying he's never bringing anyone free coffee ever it's never going to happen even step if coach championship. out Except Coach O. He did say Coach uh, Coach O would get the free coffee. He said, uh, Jimmy said, I just don't think that we're underdogs. I don't. So what that nobody picked us to be here? I'm pretty sure nobody is picking us to win now. He also said about him being perceived as a bad guy, I just take being a bad guy if that's what people want to think. I know who I am. I'm cool. I'm content with that. I'm here now. I belong here. I've belonged here for a very long time. And then this one, he talked about how this, he sort of put in context what you're talking about, Greg, about this being organic. He said, together, this group is how we want to win it. We talk about how much joy it brings us to play with one another. Um, They are, he may not say they're not underdogs, but they are, he's kind of portraying them as the little defiant team that could, right? Like America should love this team like they should like it shouldn't just be about LeBron but it's going to be just about LeBron.
4: Well, and I think that some of that is media driven. I I think by the end of this series there may be a few more heat fans added to the bandwagon which is a cool thing. I mean, we talk about from a just uh a, a building a fan base perspective what the big 3 years did to the Miami Heat sports fan um and now you're getting that limelight again and that's that's what's like ultimately really cool about this series is that as a, as a, someone who's watched the organization since the nineties, like you're, you're getting in the spotlight, all these different times, the organization is being put up on a pedestal. It just, it just happens inadvertently when you're in the finals, like that's what happens. People talk about you and, um, and so they do have this chance to kind of endear themselves to the nation in this series. Unfortunately, the lead on SportsCenter will be, what did the Lakers do wrong yep. in game one? Or, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, how did LeBron's press conference go when they said something about J.J. Barea? I can't wait for that. Um, <laughs> but, but the results will matter, and we'll see. I mean, I, I really like this series for the Heat. Uh, I know that it's a tall task, but I, I, I like what they have in store. I think that there's some tricks up the sleeve there that Spolstra is, is dying to get to.
5: Listen, I I'm with you. I think this series is endlessly fascinating. The more I kind of look into it and even almost the less that I watch and care about the regular season stuff it's like I'm like, oh, whoa, this team is just so different from back then. And even back then, like they were playing the hell out of the Lakers, man. And the Lakers have been the best or second best team in the, in the league all season. Right. They didn't have a point where they started off you know, bad and they had to figure things out like the Heat did in that first season. They've been this good the whole time. Mm. And I think that was obviously encouraging back then. But even more than that, there's just such a stylistic battle mm. where it's like whoever wins that I think is going to win. Right. It's like how much can you force them to not play their bigs? And then honestly, man, I think there's just so many ways they can go. Uh, there's a small chance that they get eliminated in five if they just can't control the putbacks and the turnovers. Mm. I don't really imagine that happening. Yeah. I don't. I, I trust them to kind of execute and really be on top of their shit. I think this team really exhibits those characteristics of a team that is kind of in control and won't just beat themselves. They're not going to fumble it like that. I don't believe that. I don't think that's what they've shown through all of this. they played, you know, they're going to, after, with this series, it's going to be four top six defenses that they play, whether you look at regular season or playoffs elite defense after elite defense, and they've been endlessly efficient on offense. So I trust their offense. I trust the, the defensive improvement, and they have the right formula, man. I, I think they have exactly the right amount, and it's just going to be on Spo to figure out how much to play the zone, when to play the zone, mm-hmm. and what principles they're going to apply on LeBron and AD because I, I wonder if it's going to be you know uh, separate principles for each whether like if if uh, ad gets the ball you kind of double him or you send him one way where he doesn't want to go or when it's lebron you form the wall you know what i'm saying i think they we might see some really complex defensive game plans because i think it, it, like when they're not playing the zone that lebron ad pick and roll is going to absolutely kill them so i think you're going to see some really creative defensive stuff to make sure that that doesn't happen i think you're going to see spo make those shooters beat you and it's really going to come down to how many threes that he can make and also how much can they limit those turnovers
2: I I think the other thing you talk about when you talk about their offense is overcome all these great defenses again the team has shown great sort of resilience and flexibility and and so is Spolstra and and that is you know we haven't talked a lot about Spolstra v Vogel we're probably going to talk about it more as the series goes on but You know, Vogel didn't show a ton of flexibility uh, prior. Now, we had, you know, when we we had those Pacer Heat series, you know, but, and he paid for it. But Sedano says, you know, this year we had George on. He said, you know, Vogel's been much more flexible, even started different second-half lineups than first-half lineups. So that's one of the matchups. One of the other things I'm really curious about is this is an NBA Finals-like let no other. I mean, the media calls are on Zoom, I mean, they're on Zoom. I mean, I mean, he's got a few people around him, but other than that, it's monitored, um, it's controlled. I mean, they aren't bumping into people on the street. They're not. I mean, they're literally in a. They're only bumping into each other. I mean, that's fascinating. I wanted to ask that question today. Like, has has Jimmy bumped into LeBron in the past week? Is he trying to? I mean, what? You know, I. I mean, they're the only ones left. I mean, right? Everybody else is gone. There were twenty-two teams went in, two teams remain. That's it. Okay. Did you think
5: one of those two two teams? When you were – I don't remember if it if it coincides with your time life or when you worked with Bleacher Report. Were you Did you cover those cavs Bull series in person?
2: Yeah, uh, I covered uh, the 14-15 the series I did. I was not at the game where David Black called the timeout he didn't have and got away with it. That was the second-round series and the second whole thing, the LeBron series. game I, winner. I, that's the only game I missed in that series, actually, and that is – Wow. Uh, that is the game that essentially, I mean, uh, without that game, David Blatt probably would have been fired that season. LeBron probably would have <laughs> been eliminated. Jimmy Butler would have moved on. Um, that Bulls team was really good. Like uh, that Bulls team was really good. I mean, they were that call the went Cats. their way.
5: It was going to go seven games. No, I was, I think I they really win hard, that series. By the way, the I, I think
2: I think they win that series. And I th- and actually Jimmy was asked, um, but <coughs> our guy Vinny Goodwill was on there today, and of course Vinny covered those teams in Chicago and asked about the guys who never made it. Dang. Um, obviously as the relationship with the heat organization too now uh noah etc and and rose and you know well, how he feels for those guys he talked about those guys propping him up it's so funny listening to jimmy today it, if you just listen to him in these press conferences and then someone tells you he has a bad reputation yeah like they, they it just does it just doesn't
5: say so if you just, didn't know the history and the whole reputation and narratives behind it they, you wouldn't think that
2: it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, LeBron seemed like kind of the off-putting one a little bit. And I'm a LeBron, you know, Stan, as people know. But, like, Jimmy came off real. And I think it's uncomfortable for LeBron in this contrast with Jimmy. Because everything with LeBron is kind of – it's a little bit scripted and all the rest of this. And, Jimmy, there's no script. And, and I think that's the place to close here as is we're at 30 minutes. That is one of the things that makes the heat so dangerous in this series. They're unscripted. This whole season was unscripted. LeBron goes to the Lakers; it's scripted. Maybe it didn't work out the first year, but eventually they're going to get a superstar for him to play with, and they're going to try to win championships. Okay, this this Heat thing is totally unscripted. Pat Riley didn't script this this year. Expulsor didn't script this this year. It's true. This has just happened, and that makes it so dangerous in this series. It just it, it makes them so dangerous because I don't think they know how to play him. And by the way, this is the way to close. Scrolling across my screen, I just got a DM from Chris Bosch saying that he's forwarding it to his people. And, oh, man. Uh, he'll get on with us this
5: week. Big news. That,
2: that's a good way to close. Always tag on Twitter, guys. Tag. These guys turn off notifications unless they're tagged, even if they follow you.
5: Okay, turn on notifications for Twitter and YouTube, by the way. You'll get notifications eh. when we go live. We've got almost 500 people watching right now. And, wow. yeah, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow. We're doing the live streams. Alf will be back in the mix tomorrow. He's been in San
2: Francisco. He's going to host the live That's stream. That's probably why I'm they gonna, tuned in. They thought it was going to be Alf. It's me. I'm yeah. uh, Sorry, I've been out a lot today. I'm also going to be, uh, and again, I'll be at the arena tomorrow, so we're going to try to do some live stuff from the arena, post-game pods. Check out the Sedano pod, check out the Nakaias pod, and check out the Haberstro pod, and who knows? Thursday, check out a Bosch pod. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us for the first part of our expanded edition of five on the floor prior to game one of the NBA finals. Of course, check out the other episodes that we did with Tom Haberstroh also with Nikias Duncan and with George Sedano. Those are all on our podcast feeds, uh, whether you're Android or you're Apple also check out the great, Sponsors of the 5 Reasons Sports Network, all of them are local, including our friend Louis Peters over at State Farm. This is an agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the entire United States. More than 60 years of combined experience in the insurance industry. These are local agents that understand South Florida's unique market. Access 24-7 at LouisPeters.com. That's L-U-I-S peters.com. Or you can walk in at 7750 Southwest 117th Avenue, Suite 207. In Miami, or call in at 305 275 5585. 305 275 5585. Personalized service tailored to every customer. No cookie cutter solutions in insurance. Uh, Mr. Peters and his crew will take care of you for whatever it is you need in insurance. So again, it's LouisPeters.com 305 275 5585. And now the next part of our episode. I, I wouldn't say I sat down. We might have both been standing up. But I spoke to Alphonse Sidney after he got back from San Francisco. He's going to deliver an eye test. Welcome back on five on the floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Every day on the Nothing But Net channel. 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern. 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific. And, of course, that you can get by downloading the Dash Radio app. All right. We've been, everybody's been waiting for this because he's, uh, he hasn't been AWOL, but he's actually – Alphonse. Sydney actually has a job, unlike me. And so he actually had to attend to that job this week. Um, It's unfortunate that they actually expected him to work during a week of such importance.
6: It's honestly just selfish on their part.
2: I'm totally with you um, that they would send you you out. Where were you, San Francisco?
6: San Francisco and Seattle.
2: Okay. Well, at least it's two great cities. All right. I'll I'll give you that. All right. So I was in San Francisco and Seattle. Uh, We're not going to waste a lot of time on narrative stuff today because we've done so much of that. And obviously – Uh, i'm kind of talked out about it and you know i I know that alf uh, really wants to get to the nuts and bolts of this series so here is the latest eye test
1: tired of per efg qbr pdq and (laughs) qvc wait what well ditch the calculators and spreadsheets and check out the only stat that truly matters it's time for alf's eye test
2: All right, back here with Alphonse City. I'm going to set you up for this one. To you, what is the single biggest key? Just eliminate everything else. What is the single biggest key to the Heat winning this thing?
6: The the key to me is going to be uh, the other guys, right? And we talk about the other guys a lot. The Heat have some really good other guys, so I kind of don't even like to call them the other guys, but that's kind of what they are. The guys outside of Jimmy and Bam, um, I think – they're both those guys are just going to have their hands full, right? They're going to be schemed against. Um, they're going to try to take out out of the um, out of the game with size. Um, you know, they have capable defenders that that'll that'll that can not shut Jimmy down, but make his life hard. The way that this team is going to beat the Lakers is by the Tyler Heroes, the Duncan Robinsons, the Goran Dragic, the Jay Crowders, the Andre gadalas uh, I mean good minutes from guys like Salmon Hill, Kelly O'Linick. Uh, who knows if Kendrick Nunn gets some burn? I doubt he does. But Derek Jones Jr. in spots with his length length making things hard for the other team. That's where the 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 series is gonna be won. It's gonna be one in the margins. It's gonna be can the heat spread the floor enough and and you know, hit that sweet spot of thirty-nine, forty percent on their threes. Um, because we know that the Lakers aren't a great three-point shooting team. So it's, that's where it's going to have to come from. It's going to have to come from the at bo- the bottom, but, you know, the lower, the lower part of the roster. And I- I'm interested to see, because I don't see the Lakers as a very deep team, does Spo tighten the rotation like he did against the Celtics, who weren't a deep team either? Or does he go to some more of these guys that I just talked about? So I think that's the interesting part. I think Jimmy and Bam are going to do what they do, um, I'd love to see a crazy breakout performance from BAM like we saw in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'd like to see Jimmy be super Jimmy. Um, but I really see, you know, guys like Goran Dragic and Tyler Hero really being the ones that turn the series.
2: Well, we did an episode, Alex and I did, with Nikaias, and we broke down the top 10 players in this series. And I actually had uh, the Heat with five of the top seven. Now, Nakias did not. Um, he actually had a five, five split with the 10 and had some guys higher than I think heat fans would have them, which is one of the reasons we appreciate having the San, on, uh, even though he is a heat fan, but you know, he had KCP pretty high. He had Danny green pretty high, um, higher than Duncan Robinson, I believe. So, I, well, I mean, I,
6: Danny Green is only, uh, you can only put him that high because he's playing the Heat.
2: Well, I, I know, but I was a little <laughs> surprised, Alf. I was a little surprised by the numbers on Danny because I, I, I remember him playing really poorly in the bubble, but I guess I stopped paying attention to some of the Laker games when the series became foregone conclusions. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he is shooting 36% from three in the playoffs. So he's not, he hasn't been awful. Um, he doesn't really contribute anything else offensively at this stage, but he's a very good defender. He's a good player. But but that's the thing. I mean, the Lakers all have guys who can give you good minutes. I mean, they have, but, but they, they don't have anybody who's going to have a breakout game, right? Like they, they have two guys who are going to lead them in scoring. They're incredibly, t- I mean, look, their third leading scorer, you know, I think Kuzma averaged 10 in the pl- in the post mm-hmm. I mean, he's seventh on the team in minutes, by the way. So they don't really trust him, but You know, with the Heat, I mean, they've had three different leading scorers in the in the first three rounds. I mean, they it was the first round was Dragic, then it was Jimmy, and then it was Bam. And And how many different
6: guys have led individual games? Well, it has to be at least five.
2: Well, that's what I was going to say. I wouldn't. I think it has been five, and I wouldn't be stunned because I'd certainly been four because Hero did. I wouldn't be stunned if they have a fourth different one, and it's Tyler Hero in the finals. Like that wouldn't shock me. Yeah, it wouldn't.
6: Yeah, it wouldn't shock anybody.
2: Right with this progression, so. They're two totally different teams. So one of the things I talked about on our other pod, which I really recommend people listen to that went up earlier today with Tom Haberstrow, and he likes the heat and seven, by the way. Okay. So there you go. And, and Tom's not a heat Homer. He likes the heat and seven. He's broken it down. And he and I agree on this. This series is a flip of the 2011 finals in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. Eric Spolstra is now Rick Carlisle. Okay. <laughs> Try, trying to take down a top heavy, uh, you know, top heavy, superstar. You know, at the top, laden team. Although the difference is, there's two stars instead of three. Um, the rest of the supporting cast may be a little bit better than some of the heats. But Mario Chalmers would would start on this uh, on this Laker team for sure. No doubt about it. So so you know he, you know. Unfortunately, he didn't start on that Heat team. At least it's. I was okay about to say, to is Bibby
6: Caruso? Which what? Who's Bibby?
2: Oh man, Ron. Well. I, Rondo, look, I will say this, Ron, the corpse of Rondo looked like the corpse of Bibby during the regular season, but playoff Rondo is a little different. He's been better. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, and, and look, the Heat had that collection of, of bigs, what Dampier, McGlure, Ilgalskis. Now, Dwight is better than any of them, uh, even, yes. at, even at this stage. But actually, you know, it's funny. Nakias had Dwight, I think, sixth or seventh. was maybe seventh. Way too
6: high. Nakias was smoking rocks. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like some of those, I, I, and maybe he'll be proven to be right because he normally is. But I mean, Dwight Howard at this stage, who is a serviceable backup, you know, he had him over, you know, Duncan Robinson, like guys who, yeah. who I feel like have way more of an impact on the game than a Dwight Howard does.
2: Yeah, I can see that. Um, but And, I the, and the
6: fact that Nakai is such a religious man and he's out here doing crack is weird to me, but you know, to each their own. <laughs>
2: Well, look, I, I do think Dwight can make an impact in limited minutes. I, I think one of the things that's going to be fascinating about the series is whether or not you know, Vogel stays with him for a while. and you know, Because if you're going to go big, then do the, the Heat try to size up? Do you play Olenek more in this series, or you do, do you do what you do? I kind of think the Heat should do what they do. I, I think that they should live with the fact that they're going to give up some offensive rebounds. They're going to have to gang rebound defensively. We haven't talked enough about the rebounding. That's really where the Lakers, uh, the Heat, uh, the Heat have to do a couple of things. One, they have to not get massacred on the boards. Like it, they're not going to win on the boards, but they've got to gang hero Butler. Some of the, just like they did in the Big Three era, where their their guards, their perimeters, their wings came back and rebound. They're going to have to help Bam, okay? Because this this is a big team that they're playing. But the the other part of it is you know. You know the turnovers. You know Miami cannot turn the ball over against the Lakers because the Lakers are much better, as Nikaya spoke about, in transition than they are on the half court, and so you you can't give them. And and look, Miami against Milwaukee did a pretty good job about that in most games, but not in all games. And to me, this is similar. You cannot be into the 17s, 18s, 20s internal.
6: turnovers. Uh, you got to give it – like 10 to 13 is where, you, to 13. Sweet spot is where you really want to be. Right. And they did a good job play. in the Boston series, right? They, there was yes. so many games where Boston had – like you'd see Boston has 19 turnovers, the Heat have eight. Yeah, You know, not, I mean, and they maybe they end the game with 11, but through the crucial points of the game, you know, they really did take care of the ball. Um, and then, you know, you probably have some possessions where Tyler Hero was a little loose with it, but you also don't want to rein him in too much because – his creativity is really, uh, is really pay- paying dividends right now.
2: Well, Bam talked about he's got to limit the turnovers. I think it starts with him, actually, because the Lakers are going to collapse on him, uh, force him to make quick decisions you know, with two bigs, maybe with LeBron coming over. Um, I mean, if you've got LeBron and Anthony Davis harassing you, you've got you to make a quick decision. And so he's got to make quick decisions and smart decisions. He can't get the turnover number up high. If he's up over four, turn- four or more turnovers, there's a problem. He, he has yep. to keep them under four. Um, they cannot give them easy baskets. Uh, there's going to be LeBron runs, and there's going to be times that they just can't guard Anthony Davis. I mean, he's that good. It's not because they're doing anything wrong. He's just that good. He'll take them outside. Um, and, it's, you know, Anthony Davis is probably going to have a 40-point game in this series. He probably is, okay? Probably,
6: but it's about the efficiency, right? And we talk about it all the time. 40 points on – you know 32 shots you know you're you're going to live with that right just you know if he's if he's he's got 40 and he's 16 for 38 or something you you're, you're going to live with that and you know with eight free throws maybe a three pointer or two you know like that that that's that's okay it's about how do you limit you know how do you make them inefficient how do you limit lebron and one thing i i will say and this is one of the things about that 2011 mavs team and i've seen it ever since then i've kind of noticed it when, when Spolster doesn't know where the attack is coming from,
3: mm-hmm.
6: his teams don't do as well. Yeah. Right. When you break, when you, when you give, when you, when he's facing
2: a team where he, has- this show is sponsored by better What's the first thing you do. If you had an extra hour in your day, go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami heat game. I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what, if time was unlimited, to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P slash Miami Heat.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
6: To account for four, five, six different guys on any given night. And that's why a lot of times I think you see them losing to bad teams. Where, yeah. Because bad teams, you don't know who's going to score that night because, I mean, they, you know, they don't know who's going to score that night. Whenever I've seen Spo go against a top heavy team or a team where he can scheme against one or two guys and let the other guys beat him, they always fare better. And I think the Lakers, I don't think they're easy to game plan against because, I mean, you can all the plans and, like, you know, Mike Tyson used to say, everybody's got a plan to get punched in the mouth, right? right. (laughs) And and LeBron James is, you know, as close to thing we have to Mike Tyson in basketball. So you could have all the plans in the world. He's still LeBron James. But I do like a coach like Eric in this series where he is going to do everything in his power to make their lives a living hell. And Alex Caruso and KCP and Dwight Howard and all these other guys are going to have to step up. And, you know, Ken Kuzma take over a game if, you know, they've effectively uh, made those the, their top two guys inefficient, is, is Kuzma going to be the outlet? Like, who's going to be the outlet for the Lakers? Because we know what happens for the Heat if Bam and Butler aren't going. They have several guys that can, If it's whether it's Tyler, Goron, you know, Duncan Robinson can drop 22, 24 on, you on any given night. Jay Crowder, if he gets his stroke back, can give you 17, 18. They have a bunch of guys that can do it. I don't know if the Lakers have those guys if Eric Spolster's scheme works out.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And you, you, we make the 2011 comparison. I've also made the 2014 Spurs comparison, which is one of the reasons I found it interesting that when LeBron talked about the two things he notices about this Heat team, he said they play hard and they move without the ball. Someone is always live. That's exactly what he said about the 2011 Mavericks. It's exactly what he said about the 2014 Spurs, right? And, and those are the two teams that ran a clinic against the Heat in the finals and against LeBron's team. And it, you don't think Spolster realizes that? <laughs> he knows for, it. Yet,
6: it's funny. I, became. It tried to turn his team into everything he can't scheme against.
2: Well, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. He's Rick Carlisle on this series. He's Rick mm-hmm. Carlisle on the series. And it, all the way up to the zone. I mean, that's, yep. that's another thing that doesn't get talked about, about we yeah, have okay, JJ Beret in the post, but part of the issue with that series in 2011 was that Carlisle was sprinkling in so much zone and Miami really didn't know how to attack it. And then he'd take it away and go back to man. And that's what we've seen Eric do in the playoffs. I mean, the one thing about Eric is he's not afraid to steal and he'll admit it. I mean, he he's, he's taken a lot of what he does from Dantoni. Uh, And from other coaches, he will, he, you know, from Stan, he's, he's picked at what other coaches do. And you, I bet you, I bet you we're going to hear after this series, let's, let's put a Biscayne Bay brew on this. Okay. Mm -hmm. I bet you we're going to hear after this series that he watched the 11 finals and the 14 finals again. I bet you, I I, I think, I I think that's absolutely a place we would go. He knows LeBron, but he also knows, I think he's going to watch it again from the other perspective and and he's gonna pull things from Pop too, because Pop's whole strategy against LeBron all those years was plug the paint, make him a shooter, sh- make him a shooter. Now he's a better shooter than he ever was, um, and and he, but but well, I, I wouldn't say that he, he's not a better shooter. Um, he's a better shooter than he was early in his career. I think he's actually tailed off a little bit from the from the height of his heat days, but but he's good enough to beat you. But you'd rather take that, even now, even with LeBron's uh, athleticism being down just a little. All right, let's close this uh, on the eye test. Everybody else has had a chance to weigh in with their predictions, uh, except me and you. Uh, I'm not going to do it here. I'm going to do it on Twitter. You're going to do it here. Um, who do you like?
6: I like Heat in six. Mm. Um, I, I don't want a game seven against LeBron. Like, I, I just don't. <laughs> like I, I don't want a game seven against LeBron James. So if, if the Heat are going to win this, the Heat are going to win it in six. Um, I actually see it going back and forth for the first few games, um, but then I just see I just see Spo versus Vogel, and I don't see. I mean, I, we've seen this movie before, um, and I just don't see. I don't see the Lakers being able to overcome the lack of depth, and you know, I just think it's going to be too easy to scheme against them. I think probably uh, in a – you know may hopefully not hopefully I don't I, who cares it's the Lakers but hopefully for them they uh they, they you know maybe they make some more acquisitions this off season uh you know they have like a lot their teams like a lot of retreads and a lot of guys that just didn't work out other places and like you said it reminds you a little bit of the 2011 Heat um, where yeah they I mean they look unstoppable at times but when you do have the right game plan they don't have other places to go there's I don't I really don't feel like there's going to be enough adjustments that Vogel can make like let's say if the zone hurts them really bad in game one or two what does what adjustment does he make what shooters does he put on the floor to shoot them out of the zone right. they really don't have those guys outside of Danny Green um, so I, I don't see any Alice Caruso x-factors Deion Waiters is out because that you know you can't account for him uh, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm saying he and six and I don't even think it's a homer pick. I just think it's I'm looking at Spo and I'm looking at Vogel and I trust Spo to make every adjustment possible. I think he wants this series so bad for these guys. Um, I think the team wants this thing so bad for each other. I really think they want it badly for guys like Jimmy and Goran. Um, and I think they're going to come out. I, I mean, I just I just think they're a the tougher team. I think they're the better shooting team and I think they're the better coach team. And if you give me those three things, you know, it, LeBron James is a trump card a lot of times, but listen, I, I've seen LeBron lose in the finals, So I, I'll take, I'll take what the heat have.
2: Well, I, I'll say this about the, um, I wrote a, a piece about LeBron in 2015 for Bleacher Report about the teams that beat him in the playoffs. So I went through every series he'd ever lost in the playoffs And I talked to at least two people on each of those teams. And the common thread on those teams was they had shooting, okay, to counter them on the other side. But they also had at least – and I talked about this with Haverstrow. They had at least two uh, premium wing defenders, okay? If you look at the Boston series that he lost before he came to the Heat, they had Tony Allen and James Posey, okay? Uh, Every one of those series they had a couple of – okay, obviously – uh, you know, you look at Kawhi and Danny Green, okay, when, you know, Danny Green was playing at, at a high, high level uh, for the Spurs. All of these series that he's lost have been, and then obviously look, Draymond, Clay Thompson, <laughs> you know, and, and that group uh, with Golden State. The Heat have, and Iguadala, by the way, <laughs> uh, the Heat have four or five guys they can throw at him. And that's why I'm struggling so much with this series because my head is telling me LeBron is just telling me he's on a mission in this series. He's been getting stronger as the, as the bubble's gone on. He wants this one badly. He has an elite player next to him. He'll elevate the play of enough of those guys that they, they, they can win this series. Obviously my heart's telling me heat. Okay. Cause I, I just, not cause I'm a heat fan, but cause I just like this group. Okay. Um, and I believe in what they're doing. Uh, but, but it's, the, the the perimeter, def- the wing defender thing uh, is one thing. I, I do think they planned for this series when they made the trades. I know it's crazy to say, but they planned for Giannis and they planned for LeBron. And they knew if they saw LeBron that if they had guys like Jay Crowder and Andre Godala, it could tilt the thing in their favor. So that's why I'm torn. I, I, I kind of think it's either going to be, I sort of disagree with you about the game seven. I kind of think it's either going to be the Lakers make quick work of the heat, like four or five games or Miami wins a long series that that's where I'm at. And I just can't, six I haven't games chosen. Is a long series. What's that? Six games, well, is six, a long six, series. <laughs> six is a long series, but man, can you imagine the pressure on LeBron in a game seven against the Miami heat? I mean, I, and here's the other thing we, we haven't talked about at all. One of the things that the heat have benefited from in the bubble, and I'm not going to put an asterisk on it is they would have been the road team in every single series. I mean, yep. now they may not have been against Indiana if the season had played out because I don't think the Heat would have been a five seed. But they would have been against Boston, Milwaukee, and the Lakers. And now the game seven on the road, like Tom talked about this with us, the game seven on the road, usually you give that to the home team, what, 89% of the time or something like that? Yeah. But they're in a sterile environment. And the only person who's going to be in the furnace is LeBron James. Okay? because yeah, the Heat are playing uh, with off media yeah, that's right. I mean, they, they, literally. And if they get to a game seven, nobody's going to believe that they could have gotten to a game seven. So yeah. all the pressure is going to be on them. So I'm torn. I, so you say heat and six. I'll make my pick later today, but I think, or I'll just pass on this one entirely. I'm not sure. Uh, no, but you anyway. Don't be a coward. <laughs> have the guts. Have the, have the guts. Where's Leif? Have the, where's, yeah, I know. Well, we've had plenty of Leif this week. Alpha954, you can follow him. Uh, he'll be hosting the live streams uh, after every game. I will be pop, maybe popping on there, but I'll be hosting uh, the post-game pods, and obviously we'll have uh, in-between game pods as well. Talk soon. I want to introduce you to another of the great new sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and it is a sponsor that would be important in any time if you want to have a beautiful workspace, but it's especially important now when you need a safe one as well, and that's safe Cubbies.com, which offers modular office solutions designed to elevate your open office into a modern and safe environment at any budget. You can personalize your workspace with options like whiteboards, magnetic panels, acrylic sheets, and graphic branding. Most of the surfaces are non porous for easy cleaning and can be removed or replaced within minutes. Now, this is for workplaces. They've got a bunch of different options on their professional series, but also they've got private room solutions, dividers, and sneeze guards, and they have a classroom series as well so if you're involved with the school this is definitely something your school should check out of course if we have school in the fall and that's the point here we were entering a new normal period with COVID-19 safecubbies.com which is locally owned is the place that you want to go the phone number is 754-216-1071 again that's 754-216-1071 or safecubbies.com Jimmy, you're –
7: I don't want to say your M.O. because it does vary from game to game, but you're very big on getting your teammates involved early. Even some games like pointing to the corner, telling Duncan go there and expect the ball and all those things. Do you expect that to be the way you're going to start the finals as well or do you have to look to get – you have to kind of go out of character and look to get yours a little bit too and get yourself – get yourself going a little? Uh, I don't know. You know, we'll – We'll see as the game goes. But I think uh, there's, there's a lot of nerves for a lot of people, including myself. This is the first time being here. So I just want to make sure that everybody's comfortable. Um, and we've been playing a certain way this entire year. I'm not getting away from that. I think that's winning basketball for us, me making sure that everybody's involved. I think that's a uh, part of my role on this team. So we'll take it as the as the game goes, and then we'll we'll figure it out. But I mean, I'm sure before the game, um, UD, Dre, Spoke, uh, they'll definitely tell me uh, what to look for and how to start. I guess.
3: Next question, David Aldridge.
1: Jimmy, um, wondering if the year you've spent down there getting a no. Uh, Riles and, and what he's about matches what you may have thought about him before you got there.
7: Yep. Every uh aspect of it, everything that I've heard obviously from, from D Wade and just around the league. It's everything that I wanted to be a part of. He's the individual outside of basketball that everybody's said that he uh that he was and um definitely about winning and winning now. He's definitely about that. So He's been a huge part in our success of of putting this team together, expecting greatness out of each and every one of us and putting us in a position to be great. So uh, without him, without him putting this thing together, I wouldn't be up here. Um, We wouldn't have this great group of guys that we have. So we are all very thankful for the
3: Godfather. Next question, Tom D'Angelo.
4: Give me... uh... When you entered the league, LeBron was 26. How, how much, is, is he much of a different player now at 35? And, and how, how impressive is it that he's been able to play at this level at 35? Uh, he's still
7: at the top of his game at 35, at 26, at 21. Um, he's still dominating. Um, and he, I mean, you've had to go through him at 26, 35, probably at 49. Um, But he's shown why he is the player that he is, why he's had the career, and the legacy that he's continually building. Um, And it's not going to be an easy task these next couple of games. Uh, If anybody's up for that task, the Miami Heat are.
1: In person here, Dave.
8: Jimmy, uh, obviously, your decision to go to Miami seems to be paying off um, splendidly so far, but last summer, there were a handful of teams with the cap space to be able to accommodate a player of your ilk.
9: And I wanted to know if there was any consideration on your part about seeing what the Lakers had to offer uh, going down that road at all.
7: No, I, I knew um, the type of structure that I wanted and needed, and it was here. Heard about it, obviously. Remember, I was meeting with Coach Bo, Coach Pat. It just, It just felt right. Um, in, in every aspect of it, uh, how there's just we got a bunch of good people here. Not saying that the Lakers don't got a great bunch of good uh, people. But um, everything that they're about, it, it just fit me working. Um, we got a, a group of guys that do that as well. You know, saying it like it is, holding everybody accountable and moving on from it. You know, they say that that's, that's how we do that. You get to come here, you get to be you. I'm
3: in. Next question is Vincent Goodwill. Jimmy, I know your time in Chicago didn't end the way that you liked, but how much time have you spent thinking about some of your old teammates, the Lou Aldangs, the Taj Gibsons, the Joe Kim Noahs, the guys who haven't made it to this level? Have you spent any time of reflection thinking about that early part of your journey?
7: Uh, I mean, I'm grateful for that part of my journey and for those guys. Um, They showed me the way to being a pro. They showed me uh, what hard work will get you and how uh, you just can never give up. Um, I talked to a lot of those guys still. and I, I let them know how thankful that I am because I don't think that I'd be here without them. Them letting me know that you have to stay ready. Your time's coming and that you belong here. They were constantly telling me how I could play in this league for a very long time. So looking back on it, I guess I could say, um, a part of the reason I'm here is because of those guys.
1: Malika in the center.
10: Jimmy, you said the other day that you don't like to be thought of as underdogs because you're a group of NBA players, but you did have 60-1 to 1 odds to to be here. What is the identity that you, you do like to think of yourselves
7: as if it isn't underdogs? Uh, a really good team. That's it. A really good team. Uh, I'm not going to say that uh, we're any better than anybody else, but I just don't think that we're underdogs, I don't. So what that nobody picked us to be here. Um, that's okay. I'm pretty sure nobody's picking us to win either. That's okay. Um, but we understand that. We embrace that. Because at the end of the day, we truly don't care. We're just going to go out here and compete, play together like we always have, and um, see where we end up. But at the end of the day, we're going to do this our way, the Miami Heat way, and um, that way is work for us
3: all year long. Next question, Greg Logan.
4: Uh, Jimmy, I'd like to ask you to go a little deeper on what you said earlier about going to Miami because you liked the structure there. Because you were with a very talented team in Philadelphia, and it didn't click. What is it about this organization or this structure that fit you so well and that allowed you to make the impact that you did? Um,
7: I think I, like I said, I just get to, to be me here. Um, I get to call it how I see it. Nobody takes it personally. You have to worry about anybody trying to control me. Um, as it was said, uh, people was trying to do over there, um, but I have no hard feelings towards any of those players, uh, anybody in that organization. I'm glad to be where I am. As you can tell, it's worked out. And, and, and that's where I leave it. Um, I knew what we could do here. Um, we added some key pieces in the middle of the year. And um, we are where we are. So I don't really look back at it too much. I got to stay focused in on um, the right now and with the group that I have.
1: To Gary on your left before we go back to Rob on Zoom. Hey, Jimmy,
7: for your career, you've just been yourself and you've ruffled some feathers and that type of thing. Was there ever a point in your career you thought, Am I doing this right, or was it just, like you said, just finding the right place that would welcome you? Um, right by who? Like, everybody going to have their own opinion. Nobody's in the locker room. Nobody's at the practices. It's all he said, she said to a point. Um, so nobody really knows what's really going on. I don't explain anything detail for detail. Um, so I just take being a bad guy. I like it that way. So like. It doesn't bother me. It's not like I'm reading everything that's on the internet. Um, I know who I am. I'm cool. I'm content with that. Um, and that's what I leave it at. You know, I'm here now and I belong here. I belonged here for a very long time. Um, so that, that that's where I'm at. Here, me being ruffling feathers, whatever you want to call it, it's okay here.
3: Next question, Christos DeSaltas. Hello, Jimmy. You talk about uh, the heat wave. So, which uh, what will going to be the key factors of the whole series for you? And also, if you win the championship, you, will you bring uh, free coffee from your coffee shop to your teammates?
7: I'm not giving nobody free coffee,
3: ever. It's
7: just it's not going to happen, not, except for Coach O. Coach O, he gets free coffee. Um, and then, um, as far as the first question, I just think um, a championship is, is going to be one that we have to do together. And I can't exactly remember how you worded the question, so I'm just going to guess. Um, but I, I know that together, um, this group, it, it's, it's how we want to win it. I think we enjoy each other's success so much, man, that um, you can tell every single day when we're in the hotel. You know, yeah, we talk about the game, but we also talk about how much joy it brings us to play with one another and how you can't take this for granted. And with uh, with this group, you know, we got the right number of young guys who are super confident, older guys who are super confident, and then guys that are right in the middle that are super confident. So. Um, For us, um, it brings us pure joy to uh, watch us continually grow as a team.
3: All right, the last question that we will take on the Zoom will be Brandon Tobin.
8: Hey, Jimmy, there was a great video of your guys' celebration of you walking in wearing an
3: Eric Spolster University of Portland jersey. How did you get your hands on that, and uh, what did he say when he saw it on you?
7: Uh, Obviously, he thought it was comical, but I got a a – quite a few jerseys tucked away in my room. It's just when is the right time to pull them out. Um, But you know, Spo has been huge for me in my growth here as a player, um, as a leader, um, as a human being. Um, So I'm I'm grateful for him, but you know, just to keep it lighthearted and and enjoy a win, knowing um, the most difficult part is ahead of us. So I know it's just a way to show my appreciation.
1: Last question here, Sam. Jimmy, you talk about Pat with such reverence, but I'm curious if you go back to the pre-heat days and even maybe
7: when you were a youngster, like when did Pat Riley become a person who you were aware of? And then when you went through free agency, you've talked about the meeting, but I mean, did you talk to D-Wade about Pat? Did you talk to LeBron about Pat? Mm -hmm. I mean, how did you learn about him? I mean, I I played with D-Wade, and I think that's, that's where the whole thing started. Yeah, you know who Pat Riley is, but it's not like you're going in, in detail um, because obviously, I thought I was going to be in Chicago my entire career. But he, he would tell me about the way things were done there, uh, about Coach Bo, about Coach Pat. And then it's man, that's, that's my type of the guy that I want to play for, that I want to be around. Obviously, I get traded a couple of times and, and end up here. And it's everything. I'm, I'm, I'm so comfortable. Of um, being myself more than I've ever been. I'm not saying I've ever not wanted to be myself, but now I know myself is the right way. Look where myself has have gotten me now. Um, and it's all because he empowered me to be able to do that with these guys. Um, these guys love me, love who I am, and it's reciprocated towards those guys. Um, I'm just grateful for him and for him believing in me and giving me this opportunity.
10: Hello. Bam. (laughs) You were so hard on yourself after game five and looking ahead to the Lakers. They are such a big team, which makes your role, which makes Kelly Olynyk's role even more important. How do you approach, especially the early minutes looking towards this matchup to kind of avoid getting in ticky tack foul trouble early? What do you see your role as here?
9: Uh, Obviously you gotta be smart about, you know, like you said, ticky tack foul, but, uh, yeah, active you know just match their energy you know there, there can't be a second on the floor where they're playing part of it you know I feel like that's that's where our chance is you know we just can't you can't let them just get free layups and, and get this motion and then you know that's when everything starts clicking for them so just making it tough for them and then also uh, being smart with the basketball and then just setting up strategic plays to get, like, easy basket.
1: Tim Reynolds right here on the right side. Mm
7: -hmm. You've probably been through, like, 700 practices with this team in three years. Was today have any sort of a different feel as far as it being a finals practice, or was it just a typical heat get-down-to-work day? Yeah, it's
9: preparation. You know, we've been prepping for this since September. (laughs) <laughs> which is kind of crazy. But, uh, you know, uh, if we would have been preparing for the finals two weeks ago, we wouldn't be ready. You know, this has been like a grind throughout this whole year, just shaving and morphing and uh, trying to figure this out. And now we're here. So,
3: you know, it's a toss-up now. Next question, Will so.
1: Hey Bam, uh, Spo
10: was almost defensive earlier in the postseason when someone kept asking, people kept asking about your style of play and whether you should be more aggressive. And he said, "Look, I'm a Bam's Bam. Stop trying to make up something else." But there's no doubt that your numbers have gone up significantly in the playoffs, from all-star level to almost superstar level. I mean, what what do you attribute that to? What has been the difference you think in your production?
9: Uh I don't know. Um, you know, to me, I feel like I'm out there hooping and just doing the right things and uh, making the right plays and uh, just holding myself accountable. You know, we're in the playoffs. It's uh you, this is win or go home. So, you know, when you have that type of – that type of mindset, you, you got to go out there and back that up. And uh, I've been doing that, and I need to keep doing that.
2: Next question, Ethan Scully. Pam, um, both Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard have been very complimentary of you as a player um, and, and kind of watching you. It, Dwight uh, Dwight went on for about three minutes when he was in Miami uh, when the Lakers came in about how much he just enjoys your style of play. Uh, what is the challenge for you against both of these players? Because you're going to be seeing, I'm, I'm sure, a, a lot of both before the series is over with.
9: Uh, the sub-office. You know, that's 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 one thing that they're gifted with shot blocking. So just uh not letting them off the hook, just staying just staying aggressive and then uh get my teammates over and just keep playing my style of basketball. Dave right here on the right side in person. And bam, staying on that same line of questioning.
8: Jimmy and LeBron are gonna get a lot of the attention going into this thing, but it the series could hinge on the match between you and Anthony Davis, and, and how do you you view that? And then also going back to the K- Kentucky connection, do you guys have any sort of rapport
9: relationship through that? Uh, I mean, yeah, once you go to Kentucky, you, you'll follow it forever. So, you know, me going into Kentucky I and mean, coming, he probably heard about me, didn't know who I was, probably knew I was just a kid going to Kentucky, but uh. <clears throat> You know, you never know. These series is gonna be fun, man. Like you said, it might be me AD, it might be LeBron and Jimmy. So, at the end of the day, we just gonna go out there and just play like we've been playing throughout these series and put together a forty-eight minutes of Miami Heat basketball, or even longer if we have to.
1: In person, Dan, over here. Um, you've been wearing the Kobe. Fives throughout
8: the, these playoffs. You wore him in the, in the the last game. I know. Um, it, his death this year. How did it affect you? And when you wear those shoes, do you spend any time kind of
9: thinking about what he's meant to you or the game? Uh, well, obviously you 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 know what he means to the game because you've seen everybody when they heard about it. Nobody wanted to believe that. I. It still doesn't feel real to this day. But uh, you see the effect that he had on the world and uh. Me growing up, I was a Kobe fan, Kobe fanatic. And uh, just getting, just being able to just wear his shoes and, uh, you know, it's my favorite shoe to play in. So I've been playing in them, uh this whole playoff run. So can't stop now.
3: All right, our last question for Bam is from Kyle Tucker, The Athletic.
1: Ma'am, what, uh, I'm curious, what's one specific thing from your time at Kentucky that you think most prepared you to have this kind of success this early on this big of a stage in the NBA?
9: Uh, in Kentucky, when when you play against rival schools, it's kind of like their Super Bowl. So whoever we play, away or at home, they're going to give us our best game because they want to beat us so bad. So you can't be scared to be in those moments that define you, define your team. You can't be scared to live live up for those moments. I feel like that's the biggest thing that helped me get to where I am, living in those moments.
3: Hey, Lebron, just studying the heat and what you've seen from them in this postseason, what's at the top of the list? What stands out the most to you about the way that they're playing basketball?
8: Um, I would think uh, two things. One, how hard they play. 48 minutes. No matter if they're up, no matter if they're down. Um, They play extremely hard. Um, And I think, uh, two, um, it would be uh, the way they they move without the ball. They share the ball. Um, Everyone is live on the floor. It's not one guy that you can Uh, disrespect or be off throughout the course of offensive possession. Um, And they do a a hell of a job of moving without the ball, uh, sharing the ball, cutting, passing. Um, So uh, those are two things that stand out.
0: LeBron, you've described that time in Miami like it was going to college for you. Um, If you can think back to those four years, what were the most important lessons that you learned about yourself and about leadership in general?
8: I think as far as uh, leadership, um, you know, that, that grows um, no matter where you are every day. If you want to be a leader, if you strive to be a leader every day, um, I think being around, um, you know, Rouse and Spo, D-Wade and UD and, uh, and, 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 you know, just to name a few, uh, being a part of that culture um, allowed me to, to grow, um, allowed me to see, uh, you know, what it takes to, not only compete for a championship, but also to win a championship. Um, so it, it definitely, um, you know, put me in a position uh, where I, I knew um, what it took. Um, I saw what it took. Um, but also, um, you know, I, I fit that culture as well because how hard I worked. Um, so it, it, was, uh, it was a perfect match uh, for those four years.
10: Hey, LeBron, uh, it's Bill Oram. Would, would it have any extra meaning to you to win a championship against, uh, against Pat Riley and Eric Bolster guys that have, have helped shape you and vice versa um, in those years together? Absolutely not. It's, too, it's,
8: it's no extra uh, meaning to win a championship no matter who you plan against. It's already hard enough to even reach the finals um, to be in this position. So if you're able to become uh, victorious out of the finals, it doesn't matter who it's against. Um, you know, you just—I'm um, just happy that I'm here with the opportunity, um, you know, to represent uh, not only myself but represent our, our fans, our, our fan base, our organization, uh, my teammates, our coaching staff, um, our training staff, and so many others that, that represent this organization uh, to the utmost
1: respect. Awesome.
10: Hey, Dave McMenamin.
1: LeBron, six years after playing for Miami, how do you feel about Pat Riley?
8: such a broad question, Dave. I don't understand. Everything. Leaves understand. it open for interpretation. Like, what, how do you, when you hear the name Pat Riley, what do you think about? Uh, how do you describe your relationship with Pat Riley? You think about uh, probably one of the greatest minds that ever this game has ever had. He's won at every level. I've seen a stat the other day that he's been part of a championship in four decades. Um, this, uh, this league um, is not the same without, without Rouse. So, um, you know, he's a great guy, a uh, great motivator, um, but someone that just knows what it takes to win, and he's shown that over the course of uh, over the course of what forty years.
7: I'll
1: go. Um LeBron, uh, you, you talked about just sort of the difficulty of adapting to to the bubble. Um, how much? Uh, Have you sort of motivated yourself by reflecting that, you know, your teammates are taking cues from you and and trying to see, you know, how you approach things and and sort of approach kind of getting through this grind of three months here?
8: Um, It's probably been the most challenging thing I've ever done as far as a professional, as far as uh, committing to something and actually, uh, you know, making it through. but uh, I knew what I was coming, what we were coming here for. Um, obviously, you didn't, I, was, I would be lying if I sat up here that knew that everything inside the bubble with what it would, you know, the toll that it would take on your mind and your body and, you know, and everything else. Because it's been, it's been extremely tough. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm here for one reason and one reason only, and that's to compete for a championship, and that was my mindset. Once I entered the bubble, once I entered uh, the quarantine process, the first uh, two days, um, and then right from my first practice, my mindset was to, if I'm going to be here, um, make the most of it um, and see what you can do and lock in on what the main thing is. And the main thing was for us to finish the season and, and compete for a championship. So that's just been my mindset. Um, you know, throughout these, I don't even know how many days it is whatever, how many days it is, it feels like five years. So it really doesn't matter. But uh, I've been as locked in as I've ever been in my career.
10: Dan? I won't remind you how many days it is. Um, uh, Back in March, um, the season comes to an end. Two players on your team test positive for this virus. Did you know or when did you think getting to this point was even a possibility? And what
8: was it like kind of mourning the fact that maybe it wouldn't happen? I um, didn't know that this was a possibility until we actually got on the plane in L.A. to fly here to Orlando. Um, you know, we had seen some of the teams arrive before us. We had got here July 9th. We had seen some of the teams arrive a couple of days before us. But until we landed here and got off the plane, got on the bus and actually pulled up um, to the hotel, that's when, it become, that's when it became a reality to me.
10: LeBron from your vantage point what do you think it is about Eric Spolstra that allows him no matter if it's coaching number one picks or kind of a collection of undrafted slash lower drafted guys that allows him to continue to bring groups back here to the finals but also not necessarily always be in the conversation with that upper echelon of coaches
8: Um, well that's a question for you guys and the players and the coaches know how great Spo is, and there's this narrative that Spo is not great, and um, the narrative that he doesn't get a lot of respect, which he should. He prepares his team every single night. If you just watch the Miami Heat, no matter who's out on the floor, they're gonna play Heat culture. They're gonna play hard. They're gonna play together. That's what he's always been about. And um, it's been you guys that have changed the narrative, or, or has never given Spo his respect because he had D-Wade, or he had myself, he had Bosch. But a lot of coaches have talent. A lot of coaches have had talent over the NBA, over the course of this league. That's not one. Um, you know, and it's, and it's unfortunate that he hasn't gotten his respect. And every time we talk about Spo, when I was there and, and talk about how great he prepared us, and we all talked about his great plan for Spo and things of that nature, you guys always say, well, you know, you, got, you have LeBron, you have D-Wade, you have Bosch. any coach can do it. No, no, any coach can do it. If any coach could do it, then there would be a, a, there'd be a lot more champions in this league. There'd be a lot more successful coaches. So Spo likes it. That's what, that's what, that's what fuels Spo. is the disrespect that you guys give him, the, 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 the basketball world. But um, I'm not going to sit up here and uh, act like I don't know what Spoh is all about because he's damn good, if not great, probably is great because it's preparation. He prepares like is his last time ever coaching again, every game. And I know that. Okay. That's why I feel good.
10: Jeff Logan. Le- LeBron, there is a uh, political financial data that is out there that shows that pro sports owners, including NBA owners donate overwhelmingly to Republican causes. Um, I know they've pledged a lot of money to help with racial and social justice issues, but do you feel that those political contributions undercut some of the efforts that players are making uh, to gain progress in the, on those topics?
8: Um, well, one, I'm not gonna give my energy to that because it's not surprising. Um, and you can, my mom has always told me that, you control what you control. And I can't control that. What I can't control is what I'm doing on my side and trying to have people gather around me and gather around my initiatives and doing what we're doing to try to affect change, not only in our communities, but outside of our communities to the youth and understand, let them understand how important their voices and their vote is um, to our society. And it's and it's hard as hell because they just don't believe it. They don't believe that their that their vote or their message or their minds or their voices matter. Um, but that's what my energy is on continuing to, to push the envelope in my community, continue to, you know, to let them know that they are the future. They are the reason why there will be change. But I can't give my energy to the other side because that would take away from, from my people. And, and, and I can't do that. But control what you control. I can't control that. That is what it is, and it's not a surprise. Um, but I got work to do on the other side. So that's what my mission is about.
10: Let's
0: Last
7: few questions go so Chris. Brian, you mentioned you're as determined as ever, right now, as locked in as ever, as you've ever been in no a while. Usually during this postseason run, you black out from social media. You don't do it. But obviously you couldn't do it this year you're in the bubble, away from family, important election coming up. How has that adjustment been for you during this time to have you know access to social media you know can usually try to eliminate distractions, but you got it right there, handy.
8: Yeah, um, I think in this particular case, um, everything about this year is different. Everything about 2020 is different. And uh, to make the most of it, you have to be able to adjust. And um, I've adjusted in the sense of um, understanding that there's also a a, a bigger uh, opportunity coming up as well in November while I'm still, you know, keeping the main thing, the main thing and the focus on, you know, leaving a legacy here and playing the game that I love to play and compete for a championship but also um, letting my people know that I'm not, um, I'm not jaded and I'm not too distracted where I cannot um, continue to um, give the resources, uh, put the people in place to um, help them go to the places where they don't believe they can even go. So that's just, um, sometimes, I mean, sometimes you do things that even you personally don't even believe that you can do. Um, but when you have a support system and you have a group around you that's just as motivated as you, you're able to, um, be able to tackle um, a few things at
10: once.
0: Okay,
1: I think we'll take the last two. Yes, I will take the last two. Let's go with Brian. Hey, LeBron, I kind of wanted to ask you that similar question. So just to switch back to basketball now since you answered it, um, you know, the last couple of times you were here, you were pretty outmanned by a team with four great players. Uh, As you come back now with the team you have around you, how do you feel going into this tenth finals now with the, you know, you feel like talent wise, you know, you don't have to worry about that problem this time. Um, I never had a problem
8: with any team I went into the finals. I've always been confident that we had the ability to win. And um, if you go into a final saying that you're under man or you feel like you don't have enough, then then who are you, um, you know, and it takes the game is one in between the four lines, not one on paper um, and at the end of the day, when I've lost in the finals, the better team won because um, they played well, they were more prepared, um, and they, they did what it needed to do to, to win those four games. Uh, when I've won, um, the same thing. So um, I'm not here to talk about the talent that I have, uh, you know, the team that we have. The game is one in between the four lines, uh, 94 feet, and the team that is prepared and the team that executes, the team that has... Um, you know, not as not careless, Um, you know, throughout 48 minutes will give themselves a chance to win um, each and every game. So I'm confident going into uh, this finals as I've always been um, in my career. All
1: right, last
4: question, Joe Varden. Hey, man, um, it's been a long time, obviously, since you played for the Heat and a lot has happened
2: um, to you and and to the league since then, but all these years later, is there something that you still take away from your days in Miami? And then the other one is, how are you different just from the last time that you were in the finals,
1: which was two years ago?
8: Um, I think every part of anybody's individual life, where well, they was able to grow, it never leaves you. And that's no different from me having my four years in Miami, uh, being around, um you know, with that culture growing, um, you guys don't realize, uh, you know, talk about it, but I, I went to Miami when I was 25 years old. I was 25, you know, and I spent my I was 25 to 29. So I was still growing. I was still a kid and still trying to figure out who I am as a person and as a man growing while still trying to compete for a championship every single year. Um, and I grew and they allowed me to grow and, we pushed each other every single day, and like I said, I fit perfectly um, in that culture because I work just as hard as anybody else. Um, I, I I show up to work, and uh, I don't leave until I feel like I was as great as I was. And do you always become successful out of that? Are you always going to win? Or you? No, it doesn't happen like that. But you know, you're able to sleep a little bit better at night uh, when you know you you punch the clock and. Um, And how am I different today than than two years ago when I entered the finals? Um, A little bit more gray hair in my beard. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.
3: One, two, three, four, five. On the floor.